Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self-builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self-Build Magazine. This episode, we're chatting to Dr. Patrick Waterfield. He's an energy consultant, and he's here to help us decide on what heating system to install in a self-build. If someone came to you and they said, I, I want to build a, a house out of uh, cavity blocks to basic insulation spec, um, the, the cheapest way to go would still be though the, the oil or gas boiler option as opposed to going for a heat pump for example, or... Yes, I mean, it, it, it would. There's, there's no doubt that it would. Now, of course, I mean, whatever is cheapest now is not necessarily going to be uh, whatever is the most economical throughout the lifetime uh, of the dwelling or even throughout the time that somebody is going to be living in, in that dwelling. And I suppose as things go on, as fuel prices increase, as environmental standards tighten up and people's expectations uh, increase, then more efficient uh, houses may be more marketable. But uh, that's a bit of crystal ball gazing, really. You know, if you're looking at it purely in terms of a budget, now, then yes, what you're saying is right. You know, a fairly conventional approach is still probably what most people would take. Now, I mean, I would always encourage people to go well beyond the, the minimum standards, especially for the building fabric. In England and Wales, for some time, they've had fabric energy efficiency standard, which is basically, uh, yeah, minimum standard for, for the overall fabric energy performance, uh, which encourages a, a fabric first approach. So that's and I think that's probably, you know, that, that would be the first thing that you'd want to do. So would that yeah. be looking at um, something like the passive house standard then? Well, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily go that far. But I mean, the house that I built myself 10 years ago at the time was obviously way ahead of building regulations. It's still actually 10 years on considerably ahead of, of building regulations, minimum standards. So, you know, I was able to give myself a bit of future proofing by you know, adopting a, a better thermal performance. And in fact, although my house wasn't passive house certified, that, that, wasn't, um, that wasn't my intention, it did achieve the overall passive house target 
of 15 kilowatt hours per meter square per year heating energy and basically doesn't have a central heating system. It just has a, a room heater, a wood-burning stove in the main living area and with thermally very good fabric and with uh, a good level of air tightness and a heat recovery ventilation system, you can actually circulate the heat uh, from that one heat source uh, around the house and heat it to a comfortable temperature throughout throughout the dwelling. And how about uh, the bathrooms then? Right, okay, bathrooms. Um, what I've done in the bathrooms actually is I, I've piped a couple of towel radiators off the uh, hot water cylinder and that does a couple of things. Sometimes if I'm running the wood burner quite hard in the winter but not drawing off a lot of hot water, my hot water tank can actually get quite hot. So if I pump some water out of the tank through the towel radiators, that takes a little bit of heat off the top of the tank. But it does something else as well, of course, because the air from the bathrooms is constantly being extracted and passed through the heat recovery system. That heat that I'm uh, generating in the bathrooms actually gets passed back into the rest of the house, which reduces the load on the wood burner. So it's a kind of self-regulating system. It's very, very simple. Yeah. yeah. So then in the north, would it be fair to say that most people would still go with oil? Well, oil is still available uh, well throughout I guess uh, the natural gas network although it is occasionally being extended it's still only available um, in, in certain areas so people that aren't on the gas network would tend to go for oil or possibly LPG. Right and is that the most cost effective to comply with the regs? Um, yes I think it probably is I mean are, are we talking new build here? Um, new build yeah. In yeah. a new build. Mm. I mean, it, it, because there is no um, requirement for, uh, you know, alternative energy, renewable technologies, low zero carbon technologies, whatever you like to call them uh, in Northern Ireland, then you can achieve the target with, for example, some combination of um, efficient systems and good good insulation. Now, I mean, you know, if your insulation isn't going to be that good and if your um, system isn't that efficient, then you may, may find that you don't achieve the target without some PV or whatever. But, but you know, uh, within the, the limitations of the overall target and the, say, the long stop fabric and system values, uh, you can do pretty much whatever you like. And so then moving on to, uh, let's say, the Republic and um, seeing it, it, what would make the most sense. Would it make the most sense to go with a heat pump because that way you can kill a bird uh, with two stones? No, it's one stone and two birds, I think. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think actually your first analogy is probably quite quite good because, uh, um, yeah, sometimes it does take two stones. Yeah, I mean, it, the key difference, I suppose, between the, the regulations and, and the Republic and Northern Ireland at the moment are that uh, really the, the Northern Ireland regulations haven't progressed, haven't changed for, for a long time, for a long number of years. And we basically have just, we, we have the overall carbon target and we have a number of 
uh, long stop values, you know, maximum permissible U values, minimum um, uh, system efficiencies, for example. But within that, you can do pretty much uh, whatever you like. In the Republic, there is a, a minimum requirement for renewable uh, energy, alternative energy in, in the dwelling. So all points to uh, away from conventional fossil fuel systems and towards you know, more efficient systems such as heat pumps. Mm-hmm. The, problem, the problem with heat pumps really is that they, they only really make uh, good sense, to my mind, in a very well-insulated dwelling. So immediately, if you're trying to retrofit it into a, an existing building, you have a problem of how to bring that, that dwelling up to a standard where the heat pump is really going to operate most efficiently. Now, with a new dwelling... By all means, you could get your building fabric very good, your air tightness very good, you can have a heat recovery ventilation system, and your heat load, your heat requirement is way down, and that would be a good situation uh, to specify a heat pump. Now, of course, heat pumps, they do use energy, they use uh, electricity. Um, and I suppose what the government in, in the Republic is thinking at the moment is, look, we've got to try and reduce our fossil fuel emissions from from buildings, from dwellings in particular. And at the same time, if the central electricity generation can use more renewable sources of energy, then you have a situation where, where, you know, if people use electricity, then that's going to be more environmentally friendly. In the past, that wasn't the case. Central electricity generation was very inefficient, was not environmentally friendly, it was carbon intensive, but that is changing. So looking into the future, then you can see that electricity in various different forms is coming back into the frame and uh, heat pumps would certainly be part of that. Mm. But I mean, if you are going to be building your house to be really energy efficient and if you're really going with this fabric first, then uh, why invest in a heat pump? Why not go for... Exactly. That's exactly my my, uh, position. You've hit the nail on the head. If you're really going to, um, you know, go all out uh, for uh, energy efficient fabric and really future proof your house, you're going to be getting down to the, the kind of passive sort of level where you don't even need a central heating system. So, yeah, I think I think uh, you're right. I mean, there may be some people who, for various reasons, can't achieve those sort of levels and a heat pump may be, may be the answer for them. But um... Note to self, in many cases, the house design will require central heating because of its shape or because of the high ratio of windows to wall area. For example, if you can specify your building fabric to have a U-value in in the walls and the floor and the roof uh, of about uh, 0.1, somewhere near, it's, that's, that's pretty low, but it's possible. And if your uh, glazing can be uh, triple glazing with a maximum U-value of about 1 or, or uh, lower, um, and if your air permeability also can be uh, around about 1 cubic meter per hour, uh, per meter squared of envelope area, then you're really getting down to passive kind of levels where you really don't need a central heating system. Just to qualify that, the unit for the U-values is what per square meter degrees Kelvin, and the air permeability figure was at 50 pascals, not atmospheric pressure. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, um, and, and so in terms of the, just to go back on the heat pump, would, are controls a big thing with the, the heat pumps? Like, is, is that really, um, that's an aspect people kind of get confused yes. by? It, it, I, I'm not too sure why, though. Is, is, okay. is there some, anything we need to know about the controls that's, um, you know, that people should know about? Or should it be set by the installer and then you don't touch them anymore or? Um, yes, I mean, one of the things about uh, a heat pump, I mean, a heat pump, basically, it's just another means of uh, of generating heat, of heating hot water, usually, so that you can put around um, a, a heating system. So that could be a conventional radiator system, or it could be an underfloor heating system. The underfloor heating system makes sense with a heat pump because the the system operates at a low temperature so that means you need to boost up your low uh, temperature heat which in the case of an air source heat pump is the outside air you need to boost that up less you need to to boost up to a lower temperature than you would for uh, a radiator system so the two kind of go hand in hand now problem with underfloor heating systems is that they do behave quite differently from radiator systems, they are really not very controllable. You can't just switch them on and off quickly. They take several hours to heat up and cool down. So that's maybe where the control issue really comes in, not so much with the heat pump uh, itself, but with the heating system that tends to be best suited for it. Is it better to put underfloor heating throughout the house or just downstairs? There are different schools of thought on this. Uh, I must say, yes, if, I, if I'd had uh, 10 euro for every time I'd been asked that question, uh, yeah, I would retire by now. Um, <laughs> not quite. Yeah, I mean, it is a good question. And I think if you have a very common situation, if you have a, a two-story house with the daytime living areas downstairs and the bedrooms upstairs, then I think you could certainly take an approach where you have underfloor heating and radiators. Underfloor heating on the downstairs, I would suggest, and radiators upstairs. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Underfloor heating systems need a hard floor finish. If you put a carpet over them, it's just like putting a quilt over your radiator. You're not going to get any heat off it. So Some carpets do have uh, are underfloor heating compatible now. 
I think. They, Some. They say, but uh, I, I would still suggest that, you know, the kind of carpets that most people are probably want in their houses, uh, you know, especially with foam underlay and stuff like that, they're not going to be uh, a good idea. You're not going to get the best out of your underfloor heating system. Much better would be to have a timber floor, I, um, solid timber directly laid onto your, uh, a concrete screed, or else a tiled floor would also be good. Upstairs, you might, bedrooms, you might be more likely to want a softer kind of finish underfoot. So then the radiator would um, be most suitable. Also, because uh, upstairs is not uh, occupied for such long periods, maybe you want to be, have a quicker response. You want to be able to uh, heat the place up quickly. So again, the radiator would, uh, would be a good choice uh, in that case. So that would be the case even if you have a heat pump that's lower temperature. You can get yes. low temperature radiators. Or... You, you can. I mean, you, you need them to be slightly larger because if the uh, if they're operating at a lower temperature, you need a greater area to get the same amount of heat out. Uh, you can get some different materials. Aluminium radiators would tend to be bigger and would um, be more suited to heat pumps. Situation in the Republic in terms of uh, building a house to today's energy standards. Obviously, the standards yeah. are changing this year. In the Republic, the new building regulations for energy are expected to come into force in November. We'll basically have to build our homes to be more energy efficient and with an even higher renewables requirement. So in practice, that means more insulation, more air tightness, and more renewables. Under the current regulations to comply, as a rule of thumb, if you want to have a gas boiler, you generally have to install solar panels for hot water. Under the new regs, you'd have to install solar panels that generate electricity along with your gas boiler. What's interesting is the Department of Housing is saying that these new regs are only adding 2% to the cost of building a house. But um, we still have the current 2011 regs. So would, would it make more sense financially to go with a gas and solar thermal than, than going with a heat pump? Um, not necessarily for for a um, uh, for a new for building. For a new build, yeah. The the version of uh, of Part L for for dwellings that was put out for public consultation uh, contained a number about five or six different scenarios, all of which would achieve the twenty percent. A renewable energy ratio, which is the, the requirement in, in the regulations. And there were various different options there. Uh, some included heat pumps, some included um, gas boilers, uh, some with PV, some uh, without. So there are still uh, a number of different uh, options there. And you can still uh, achieve it with oil. Now, obviously, oil has a uh, a higher uh, carbon emission factor than um, than natural gas, and so you'd need to, um, you know, compensate for that. You'd need to maybe put a bit more insulation or a bit more PV or whatever. But uh, it's it's possible to do. And um, just the last question would be about the heat pumps and people complaining about their bills being really high when <laughs> after they've put yeah. a heat pump in. What, what's that due to generally? Okay. Almost certainly due to the, the heat pump being undersized. This is a problem. Uh, if you have a boiler, but I mean, there are literally hundreds of different boilers on the market of various different types, configurations, uh, indoor, outdoor, floor mounted, wall mounted and different types 
kilowatt outputs, never mind the different fuel types. And you can size, pick a boiler um, pretty much to exactly suit your given dwelling and, it, and its heat loss, its heat requirements. Heat pumps are come in more fixed sizes and um, quite often what will happen is that somebody will think well look I think I can just about um, get away with uh, uh, this size of a heat pump instead of putting in uh, the next size up which is going to cost me you know a few grand more and then what happens is that if the thing's working too hard um, it's not operating most efficiently and your bills get high so sizing the thing correctly is really important putting really good insulation in so that your heat load is low is really important and you would be sizing it in sap or deep or the softwares that the energy assessors use to um to, no. to prove no the software that calculates compliance with the building regulations in northern ireland is called the standard assessment procedure or sap and in the republic it's called the dwellings energy assessment procedure or deep SAP and DEEP are not sizing algorithms for heating systems. They are methodologies for estimating the energy and carbon emissions from the heating hot water, lighting and ventilation of a dwelling. You shouldn't use them for actually designing and sizing a system. There are proper methods for doing that that heating system providers, manufacturers, suppliers should be able to use. But there is also, just going back to the point you were making earlier on, it's really important to make sure that whoever is doing that is fully aware of all the detail of what you're proposing. I got involved in a situation a number of years ago where somebody had put underfloor heating in and then a wooden floor, but the wooden floor installers had used an oriented strand board, which is a kind of um, wood product as a sub-layer underneath the floor so they could secret nail the, the wooden floor into the OSB. That had the effect of insulating off the underfloor heating uh, system and there was no heat coming up uh, out of the floor. So it was a lack of communication. Uh, so, you know, really important to make sure that everyone knows exactly what everyone else is doing so that uh, a system is specified that's going to be sized correctly, that's going to perform correctly. Question then following on that, the underfloor heating upstairs, would you not need a screen for that? Can you get away with... I, I personally would, would probably tend not to put underfloor heating upstairs and for the reasons that i was saying earlier on but let's oh, say it's like a, an upside down house and the living area is upstairs would yes, you put it, would you have to put like a even a concrete slab and then put your underfloor heating on top and put a light screed or necessarily need to be a concrete slab i mean if it were then that would probably be ideal but it is possible to lay a dry screed for example onto a timber deck you can have electric on the floor heating you know if you have a small bathroom it's just a mat of electric wires that you could lay down underneath a tiled surface for example as i say it's really important to just you know think about your options in the context of of your floor finish uh, also to bear in mind that uh, it will be a slow response system. You're not going to be able to flick a switch and suddenly get a load of heat. Yeah, it's a constant heat all the time. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah it right. stays stable. That's great, Patrick. Thanks so much for your help. Really appreciate it. Sure. 
That's it for this Self Build Plus podcast episode. Tune in next time for more tips and advice from experts and self builders alike. And make sure to explore everything Self Build Plus has to offer. The Self Build Plus journey guides you through the process of building and home improving. The Self Build Plus forum allows you to share and learn from other self builders. While the Self Build Plus videos and our Self Build Plus virtual events are packed with information and advice. With Self Build, stop dreaming, start building.